Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome in Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you here on the program. And what a program we have for you. Jackson, do you call this Two Guests Tuesday? Two Guests Tuesday, Tim. Taylor Twelman with us talking doggies. Coming up at uh, 1035-ish. And right out of the gate, let's not mess around. I know you want to talk about the Knicks and the Heat. I'm not going to let you because Buster Olney is with us right off the jump here on 101 ESPN. Buster, good morning. What's going on? Oh, my goodness. The last 72 hours in St. Louis, sir. Wow. Shocker. Yeah. Uh, I can't I, I can't think of, you know, I've been uh, sort of racking my brain trying to think of a comparable situation in baseball history where, you know, a, a big acquisition, uh, you know, where the team has a long-term investment in that particular player goes south so quickly. Uh, and, and you essentially have a, the team one month into a, you know, five-year, $87.5 million deal punting and trying to figure out what's next. And on one hand, you know what, if they, if they believe internally that uh, this is, you know, something they need to do in order to try to turn this team around and win, then you admire them for it. But there's also no question about it. I mean, it's debacle. <laughs> you know, they're, 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 you can't get away from that. Uh, you know, otherwise they wouldn't be making the decision that they're making. That is a perfect way to sum it up. It is such a short-term issue, certainly, but also the thing that I really want to focus on, and this is your tweet from from Saturday, is is the macro issue with being 33 games in at the time to his five-year contract and making this move. And what you tweeted out was, it's difficult to overstate the impact of a shift of Contreras to a primary outfield slash DH role if that's where the Cardinals land. Prospects will be blocked, big dollars will be tied up, lineup flexibility will be sacrificed. It is so material in so many ways. From a short-term perspective, now he's your DH. That then impacts Nolan Gorman, which then impacts the middle infield. So the log jam that they had in the outfield is now moved. And then now you bring in a bat that, God bless Andrew Kisner, but is not one that is going to intimidate opposing staffs. And that's just the short-term issue. Then you get into the $87.5 million on the books for the supposed Yadier Molina replacement and how then that impacts future business for the Cardinals, Buster. So I thought your tweet really summarized the situation concisely, and that's why I wanted to have you on to expound on how you see this impact in the Cardinal organization. Well, I appreciate that. In the last, you know, 48 hours, he spent a lot of time calling around other teams because, you know, generally speaking, uh, when you have a situation develop, you, you, you call around baseball executives and say, hey, what do you make of this? 
you know, what do you think about this? Because I have my instinct, but who am I? And I'm an idiot sports writer. Uh, and I, you know, but, but, and so I, you know, made those phone calls to folks around the sport and everything that I wrote in that tweet, they were echoing uh, the last couple of days saying it is a big deal. And essentially what's going to happen now is that some of the prospects they have are devalued because they're going to have to be difficult choices to make, uh, you know, with some of the guys who might be playing corner outfield or might get it bad to DH, or it might impact Nolan Arenado, you know, getting a day off uh, because they want to keep Contreras in the lineup or Contreras sits and, you know, the guy you're paying $87.5 million to is, is not in your lineup or down the road because they have this contract on the books uh, they don't necessarily, you know, be aggressive in pursuing a free agent. There are just a lot of dominoes that come from this. And again, I, there, there's a part of me that respects the fact that it does seem like the Cardinals are saying, you know what, this is not working. And if we're going to win in 2023, this is the way we need to go. And they were trying to, my sense is, and I have not been around the team, my sense is in reading the quotes, everyone is trying to make the best of an awkward situation, you know, trying to assure Contreras that they love him and he's their guy. But there's no getting around the fact that what the, you know, the Cardinals uh, signed him for, they're punting on it. And people around the game, you know, assume that, you know, at some point, yeah, maybe they might try. But generally speaking, they believe that his days as an everyday catcher are over. Wow. Buster Olney with us here on 101 ESPN. There are some insightful comments on the situation from people around the game. I want to ask uh, some questions that I guess if this were a, a, a court case, this would be considered background information. When you're speaking with other people around the game, as you have been doing over the last 48, 72 hours since this news broke in St. Louis, with initially him being an outfielder slash DH, and then John Mazalak, uh, then I guess, quote unquote, correcting that on Sunday and saying it's a DH with the goal to get him back at catcher how are the cardinals viewed at this moment i know with 2009 for example in the draft class and then what set the stage for a world championship and four straight nlcs appearances and then a hundred win season in 2015 that ended with an lds loss to the cubs that they were considered ahead of the game and their system was ahead of everybody else and everybody else was playing catch up because here in St. Louis, I can tell you, Buster, that even though the team would say, well, we've been to the playoffs four straight years, I think there is a sense that the organization isn't doing enough and has fallen behind. So when you talk with these executives, what is their perspective on the Cardinal organization and now this move that seems like it could potentially be an albatross? That they respect uh, their, the baseball operations department uh, and they feel like they're adept and obviously the player development has been excellent. There was a lot of surprise during the winter time when uh, the Cardinals signed Contreras in that situation to be an everyday catcher, especially to follow Yadi Molina, who, and let's face it, he's going to make a speech in Cooperstown someday because of how great he was as a catcher. You know, year after year after year, you could always count on the fact that Cardinals have one of the top 10 pitching staffs in baseball. And, you know, some of that was Dave Duncan and Mike Maddox, and some of it, uh, you know, was a lot of it with Yadi Molina. And so, you know, let's go back to a, a year ago where, you know, teams like the Mets and the Astros, two strong contenders in theory, uh, needed offensive upgrades to catcher. And both those organizations did, you know, their due diligence, had conversations with people, 
And they passed on the opportunity at Contreras. In fact, as you know, the Astros had a tentative deal in place that was arranged by the front office, and the staff of the Astros, the coaching staff, basically lobbied the owner, Jim Crane, do not do this. Like, the heart and soul of our team is our pitching, and Martin Maldonado is his respected leader, and you bring Wilson Contreras in here, he's not good at dealing with pitchers. There's a perception in the game that he is not invested in the – you know, all the nuance and detail that, uh, you know, catchers are required and that the Cardinals obviously got a lot uh, of from Yadi Molina during his time with the team. And so there was a big surprise in the sport that, uh, that the Cardinals made that kind of investment in Contreras to be an everyday catcher. So when it comes to this side of Contreras as a catcher, because the word that I've heard when, when the Cardinals are kind of dancing around it uh, with the reasoning is the word that I've seen more often than anything, Buster, is preparation. Is that the the reputation that the Contreras had toward the tail end of his time with the Cubs, which may have played a role into another thing you tweeted that the Cubs played this hand beautifully, uh, got the draft pick, didn't devalue him, and then other teams when they were looking at him in free agency thought might be a great offensive catcher, but he's not necessarily a great pitching manager slash defensive catcher, and is that because of preparation? And I'm only going to, you know, I'm not in the clubhouse and I, I can't tell you that I'm, I'm uh, you know, it's someone who has firsthand knowledge where I'm in the room. But I can tell you that, you know, the, the, the question in Chicago was how much personal investment he had in the in the uh, in the position. You know, Yadi Molina was someone who was absolutely obsessed with catching <laughs> like he loved the art of catching of the relationship with the pitcher and, you know, how to handle certain hitters in certain situations. And the perception with the Cubs is, is that Wilson Contreras loved playing, loves playing baseball, loves to hit, and isn't obsessed with being a great catcher. And, uh, you know, that's why last year, and, and what I mentioned about them protecting his value, you know, he caught sometimes, but generally speaking, they kept him as an offensive player mm-hmm. because their concern was if they caught him too much, then it might expose more some of the concerns that people around the game had about him. And so my question is this. The Cardinals saw the Cubs quite a bit from 2016 through last year. How did they miss this? Uh, first off, I, I'm sure, I mean, Mo is a smart guy. Uh, I'm sure that he was aware of that. It did jump out to me in spring training how Wilson, they were impacted by their conversation with Wilson, you know, face-to-face with, with Mo and with Ollie and those guys going to see him and sitting down and having Contreras tell them that, you know, he wanted to be the guy to replace Molina. He knew that was a big deal, you know, to, to take on that responsibility, and he convinced them that he was able to do that. Uh, and then, you know, of course, they, they come out in spring training and, and say, hey, he's not going to go to the WBC. He's going to devote himself to, uh, you know, to, to learning the pitchers. So everybody was saying the right thing. But however we got to this point, it's clear they're not happy with the situation. Final question for you. Buster, only kind enough to join us here at the very beginning of Balloon Party on 101 ESPN today. Uh, looking at the Cardinals now, they've won two in a row. That ties the longest winning streak uh, to date for the 2023 team. Considering the state of the National League Central, uh, it's not beyond the idea that any team could catch any team. Uh, maybe people would take the Reds out of the mix. But when you look at the Cardinals in 2023, 
what do you see as uh, is there is there potential considering all of these circumstances that have taken place beyond Contreras? I mean, Jordan Walker was the story a couple of weeks ago. Zach Thompson's been a story. Tyler O'Neill and Ali Marmol have been stories. But now Contreras becomes the headline. Your assessment of the team and its potential in the short term. They are still the team to beat in the Central, which might sound crazy given how poorly they generally have played. But here's the the fa- simple fact is they've got more talent than anybody in the division. Uh, you know, in the end, there's an expectation among folks I talk with with other teams. You know, the Pirates are a great story. They've taken a big step forward. But we don't know if they are going to be able to withstand this, especially with O'Neill Cruz out. The, um, you know, the Brewers are an interesting team, and they've got some high-end talent. But the, the lingering question that other folks have is when we get to the trade deadline, will they manage their payroll like they did last year when they traded Josh Hader Mm -hmm. despite being in first place? Because if you're going to get maximum value for someone like a Burns, a Woodruff, a Willie Adamas, the time to trade those guys is this July. So will they punt? The Reds are, are getting better, but they're not close to, you know, being a team that's relevant. The Cubs are better, but I don't think anybody looks at them as world beaters so I still, even with the deficit that the Cardinals have, I still think they're going to wind up being the team to beat. And who knows? Maybe, you know, the way this is all played out uh, will add a layer of accountability to all the players in there. Like, oh, my God. You know, the pitchers, as someone told me, if, if the pitchers wanted Wilson Contreras to be their guy, he would be the catcher. Mm-hmm. And maybe the, some of the pitchers who struggle at this point are like, okay, well, I use that get-out-of-jail-free card. And, and maybe they start to perform better. It, uh, it is certainly a pivotal moment in the 2023 Cardinals history. And honestly, I have uh, been following this team for four decades. It's uh, one of the most signature moments uh, that I have seen as a, a Cardinal fan slash talk show host slash television reporter. I can't recall anything like this. It has been something else over the last 72 hours. Buster only kind enough to take time out of his morning to give us his perspective. Buster only of ESPN with us here on 101 ESPN. Buster, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it this morning. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That's Buster Olney with us here on Balloon Party. Your thoughts on what he had to say? Fire away as we will uh, talk about Buster Olney's conversation in the next segment. 314-399-9646, Air Comfort Service text line. Leave a mic drop via the 101 ESPN app. Talk about what Buster had to say. He still considers the Cardinals the favorite, but it is one of the most surprising stories he has seen, and everybody around baseball is talking about it and says this is a big problem for the Cardinals well beyond this year. We'll talk about that coming up next. Taylor Twelman at 1035. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Fresh off a Buster Olney interview, Jackson and I arguing what year the Lakers played the Magic in the finals. Give you an idea what goes on here during the commercial breaks. I'm all in on 09, by the way. Fresh off the Buster Olney interview, your thoughts on what he had to say. A couple, I mean, there there were a lot of things that stood out uh, here on uh, on Balloon Party with with Buster Olney as our guest. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. Taylor Twelman coming up in about 15 minutes. Uh, Number one, the conversations he had with people around baseball saying how big of a problem this is. See, what I think can happen here, and I'm not sure because I'm kind of, what I don't even know what I am relative to St. Louis sports media. I feel like I'm, I don't, I don't like, 
I'm out of touch. <laughs> That's what I've decided. Yeah. Like, I don't know what everybody else is talking about, what are real, so I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But having done it as long as I've done it, uh, because I don't leave my basement or the driving range, so I don't know what everybody's saying, I what I know from doing television and radio is they win a couple games, then it's like everything's fine. Let me tell you something, Jack. <laughs> It ain't fine, right. all right? You can beat the Tigers in the Cup. It isn't fine. And even if they somehow rattle off 15 of 20, it doesn't change the fact, the fact, not the opinion, that you signed a gentleman to $87.5 million as your top priority in the offseason, and 33 games in, you go, oh, boy, he can't play that position. And I'll put a period on that. So you can win a couple games, and then all of a sudden, I know what happens because I've been around long enough to see the game. So that, and by the game, I mean the game in which the narrative changes. And that is why I want to keep our eye on the ball here, because Mm -hmm. we are more of a what? Big picture program that is pro-liberty, anti-kink-shaming. Yeah. Thank you. And not results-oriented. We are not. So Buster only talked to people around baseball because I think at the outset he said it was one of the most surprising things he's seen in covering baseball. I mean, I know it is for me watching the Cardinals over 40 years, but... Wow. I mean, Buster only covered those Yankees teams of the 90s, and he's been on Sunday Night Baseball forever and ESPN. I mean, wow, that's really throwing. uh, And when he's saying that, he's talking about a free agent signing and then just pulling the plug on it. Um, So, yeah, it was fun to see Contreras egging the fans on in Chicago last night, and he hit the hell out of the baseball. He hit it hardest on an out. What a play by Dansby Swanson, but good for Wilson Contreras. Responding to what John Denton told us on TMA was a great conversation with Adam Wainwright before and after the game. It's it's amazing to me that the guy who lost his spot and is making $87.5 million, if I did a Gallup poll on Twitter right now for his approval rating, I think he'd have like an 85% approval rating in St. Louis. Yeah. And the manager and the president of baseball operations would be hovering around 10%. And the thing is, I'd understand where the people are coming from on that. But only said not only that it's one of the most surprising developments he's seen with a free agent signing in his career, paraphrasing, but then also, if he had to pick a team to win the National League Central, it would be the Cardinals. So you had both of those things said in an interview. <laughs> right. And then, interestingly enough, uh, you had uh, fans texting in throughout this saying, I kind of don't want him to win the Central. Ooh. Because I think there is a sense, and this is one of the things I talked with, with Only about, and we'll replay some of this coming up after we talk with Taylor Twelman, because I know listeners cycle on and they cycle off and they podcast and so on that there is a sense that this administration has worn out its welcome and it's time for a change. And the fact that it isn't just the Contreras thing, there was already enough in the month of April that made people go, what in the world is going on? This was just like, this was such a monster explosion that people forgot about, oh yeah, Jordan Walker was sent down and now he's hitting a buck 40 and Tyler O'Neill was called out as an individual in game five by the manager uh, for his effort you know, and uh, Zach Thompson, remember him? He's going to be a key part of the bullpen. Well, now we're going to send him down because we think it's good for him to be a starter. What? <laughs> that just flew under the radar. Um, that there are so many issues that I think some people are like, yeah, this team doesn't deserve it. Now, the reality is if they go out and start winning, you forget all of that stuff that 100%. was going on. Like, take yourself back to July 2011. If somebody would have told you, yeah, this group's going to win the World Series in one of the most thrilling games in the history of the World Series in, in three and a half months here in St. Louis, you would have said, absolutely not. I was looking at the odds on uh, online today, and the Cardinals are now plus 600 to win the National League Central. 
So it has moved from plus 350. So you get six to one on your money if you like that. Uh, the Cubs are second behind the uh, uh, Brewers, and the um, Pirates are third. Then the Cardinals are fourth, and they're plus 5,000 to win the World Series. So, Jackson, if you're seeing value, you get 50 to 1 on your money. But, hey, this is, this is a macro program. And the macro issue is it's wonderful that Wilson Contreras was energized by going to Wrigley Field last night, and he responded. Tip of the cap to him. No doubt. But you've got a problem. And the problem that we're going to talk about in the moment is the Cardinals signed a guy at $87.5 million, and the pitching staff isn't comfortable throwing to him. But I want to take you back to December when they decided to sign him, especially if... It was well known by those in the game, not necessarily by fans and dog avatars on Twitter, who now apparently knew all about this back then, but didn't say anything then, that Wilson Contreras is not really committed to the catching side of being a major league catcher, the preparation side of getting a staff ready to be uh, starting a game. Then that goes back to the 0-2 pitches, the two-strike pitches when guys were getting hits in the first month of the season. And that, you go, how'd the Cardinals miss it? Cardinals saw him 115 times as a starting catcher for the Chicago Cubs. How'd the Cardinals miss it? And that is an organizational issue. That is an organizational issue. So yes, as, uh, as we heard from Joe Posnanski yesterday and on TMA Today with John Denton, yeah, Wilson Contreras is a great offensive catcher, but when it comes to being a DH, he isn't an $87.5 million player. He was signed to that contract because he's a catcher who can hit. But now he becomes a DH, who is fine, but then it impacts the rest of the organization. And another thing that Buster only said, Jackson, that stood out to me is it can devalue your prospects because they don't have a pipeline for playing time, right. and they're trapped in the minor leagues. So you have all kinds of... Of domino effects. I'm sorry, a win against the Chicago Cubs last night does not fix the problem. No. That's where I am. Uh, we got to take a break. Taylor Twelman's going to join us coming up on the other side of the break. And then we will uh, revisit the only interview, play your mic drops, and uh, and read some of the Air Comfort Service text line. Uh, this is Balloon Party, driven by Mug and S. St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation, or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're headed down to the pitch to talk soccer and City SC with Taylor Twelman. This is Talking with Twelman on 101 ESPN. Presented by Together Credit Union. Together Credit Union, the City SC Visa credit card is exclusively available at TogetherCU.org. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party on 101 
ESPN. Talked it over with Buster only to start the program. If you missed that interview, you can go back and podcast it. Dobbs Tire and Auto Center's podcast. That's where you can podcast it on the 101 ESPN app. We'll replay a couple of clips coming up here at about 1045 right now, as he does every Tuesday on the program. It is our pleasure to be joined by Taylor Twelman, presented by Together Credit Union. Morning, Taylor. So what's up, brother? How are you? Well, I, I'm very grateful to you because I know you're busy this morning, and and yet you're still finding a way to fit us into your schedule. You, sir, are a gentleman, and I would say this, Jackson, and Taylor will know exactly what I mean when I say it. You are a man for others. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> um, that is the furthest thing from the truth regarding anything I've done in my life, but I appreciate that. <laughs> Well, I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate it nonetheless. Hey, I wanted to get your perspective. A unique set of circumstances here. I don't know how often this happens. We're we're experiencing the uh, the first year of city in St. Louis, where you have storms just rain out a game about forty nine minutes in, and uh, and so they will pick things back up in uh, in Dallas uh, when they reschedule that thing. Is is that is that relatively commonplace, or is that uh, is that a rare one off? Uh, I think it was a rare one-off, to be honest with you. Um, Usually, you know, from my experience in this league, and particularly in this country, it's usually 90 minutes at the minimum Mm -hmm. where you wait it out and and look at the decision. And I think it caught um, a lot of us, you know, outside the game and outside the league, so to speak, and uh, seeing how quickly that game was moved on from. So, it makes the schedule more congested later in the years, which, which makes it more surprising to me that the game was abandoned. But on the other hand, you, you, you have to ask people that were there and whether or not it could have been played. I've heard both sides of it, so it, it's interesting. I think St. Louis City um, publicly have played it cool, but I think privately I, I don't think they're very happy with the decision because more so they felt like they had FC Dallas on the ropes. That's, that's, that's what I was going to ask. And watching that game, I thought okay, it was good to see it because if this was a boxing match, I like to tie that analogy in quite often when you, when you have a low-scoring or no-scoring game, whether it be in hockey or in, in soccer, I felt like they were getting the better of it for the first time in, in a few weeks. Uh, what did they do, even though it didn't result in a goal, and the game's outcome still to be determined, that they had them on the ropes, in your opinion, Taylor? FC Dallas loves to pull you apart, and they like to defend with the ball. What I mean by that is when they are in possession, they are setting up their defensive structure to try to make it a little bit more difficult to catch them on the break. And I think, for the most part, St. Louis City did a good job of not biting and not getting pulled apart in rotations, not getting pulled apart in possession. And so then it made it a little bit more difficult for FC Dallas more so to get comfortable, to get into a rhythm. You know, they're managers of a Spanish pedigree, so they want to use possession. They want to use the ball. Obviously, St. Louis City is the exact opposite. They want to make the game, you know, just pure chaos in the sense of they don't want any team to be comfortable. And so on the road, I think for St. Louis City to be able to do that works in their their favor. Now, would they have left with three points? That's that as anyone's guess. Right. But for the you know 50 minutes or so, you, you can make a real argument City was the better team. They will have a situation next time they take the field against uh, Chicago, who we're going to see tonight. We'll get into that momentarily. But for the MLS portion of the schedule, because Tim Parker 
uh, picked up the yellow card, and that means he will miss uh, the next game. Uh, your thoughts on that set of circumstances and its potential impact for this coming uh, week's game? Yeah, you know, you and I have had that conversation, right? Where's depth going to be a real question mark for this team? I said center back and center forward. And and so um, I, I think a few players have shown themselves to maybe fill that gap. You know, I think St. Louis City, if you ask Bradley Carnell right now privately, you would say, yeah, they're a better team when Tim Barker's on the field for the experience part and whatnot. However, they've had games without Tim Parker already and done all right. So – I still think the bigger question mark is when Shao Klaus doesn't play, where a goal is going to come from, where's the reference point. I think Tim Parker not being in the lineup for one game uh, isn't going to kill them, but any long stretch, I think it would hurt them. Unfortunately, this is just, it is what it is, but um, it's unfortunate circumstances, I think, for Tim Parker to be suspended, but uh, we see it time and time again in this league where, certain decisions come back, and, and I think it's unfortunate for Tim. So there's a chance we could see him tonight. Just can't see him Saturday, uh, City SC. Well, I would see. I would play him tonight. I'll answer your question right now. Now you know he's not playing Saturday, I'd 100% play him tonight. Get him out there tonight uh, and then make some adjustments with the rest of the uh, lineup, I would imagine. For those uh, in, in wondering what's going on, this is now the round of 32 in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup, and they will take on the same team they will see on Saturday. It just might be a different set of players each time they meet. Uh, your thoughts on what we will see tonight and then comparatively speaking, what will we see uh, as they take on uh, Chicago Fire FC? Well, I think it's unfortunate for Chicago Fire that they're going to play the same opponent back-to-back games while they just fired their manager yesterday. And the reason why I say that is that oftentimes when you fire a new manager, you get a little bit of a boost because there's a new messenger and whatnot. However, for Chicago for Chicago, it, the truth of the matter is is that it's Frank Klopas. And this is, if I'm not mistaken, his third, if not fourth time at the helm of being the head coach or manager in an interim role. So I, I don't know what impact that has for them. Um, I think it's an interesting one because I don't think Ezra Hendrickson was the issue or is the issue. I think there's some real issue. I mean, you cannot have a designated player making $7 million a year with zero goals, zero assists. In, in six starts. That, that, that's inexplicable, right? So I think St. Louis City could really, really find themselves, if they survive the first, say, 15, 20 minutes with a new boost, new manager, new energy, you plant the seed back into the minds of the Chicago players that you're the ones that fired your coach, you're the ones that are, are struggling, then I, I, I don't think there's any reason why St. Louis City shouldn't find themselves leaving Chicago Um advancing in the Open Cup, and then ultimately this weekend, leaving with three points. Well, that would be a wonderful set of circumstances if they can get them two times in a matter of five days. Uh, final question for you here. I'm curious what your perspective is on this. Because of playing Chicago tonight and then again on Saturday, then uh, Kansas City, Sporting KC, coming up the following week. Uh, these would be theoretically what could be considered the rivals. Rivalries certainly develop organically, but also geographically. Which team do you think is likely to become the long-term rival? And then my follow-up would be with, with San Diego potentially getting the next expansion team, there's a good chance that City moves to the east and therefore would probably mm-hmm. end up playing Chicago more than they would sporting KC, uh, what do you what do you think on that? Do you think it's better for City to be in the East, considering the geographical location 
of the teams who are closer on the east side versus the fact that you have Kansas City and then you got to go all the way to Colorado to find another team as you head west. Yeah, I think, listen, if St. Louis City ends up being in the east, I can promise you one thing, MLS will make sure they play sport in Kansas City at least once a year. Okay. And, and the reason why is that the Illig family, the owners of Sporting Kansas City, were huge proponents of St. Louis getting a team. They want a rival. They need a rival. Uh, Kansas City, St. Louis, naturally, Royals, Cardinals, that 85 World Series still chaps my ass. Nice. Um, but the, the truth of the matter is there is a real natural rivalry with both cities. We all know about the Cubs and the Blackhawks and, and, and all of that. Chicago, St. Louis is natural via the city and the people and, and what the history is there. I think Sporting Kansas City may become the bigger rival in this league. Uh, it's closer. Sporting Kansas City has had much more, you know, albeit the work, you know, the start this year, success in this league. They've set the standard by their, with rejuvenating a, a franchise in this league that was playing in front of 5,000 Arrowhead. Now they have a $200 million training facility. They have the stadium. So there's just natural rivalries there. I hope for the league's perspective, that Chicago gets a new stadium. They're going to get an $80 million training facility, downtown Chicago. Then that will happen. I think both are going to be rivals. Both are going to be natural. But I think the first five to seven years of St. Louis City's existence, I'd be shocked if it's not sporting Kansas City over Chicago on that natural rivalry. There you go. Taylor Twelman every week here on 101 ESPN, brought to you by Together Credit Union. Taylor, appreciate it, man, as always. Thanks so much. Yep, see you next week, bud. Take it, take it over next week with Taylor Twelman. Tuesdays with Twelman here, brought to you by Together Credit Union. All right, Action Jackson, have you been able to pull some of what Buster only had to say at the outside of the program? Yep. For the people who didn't get a chance to hear it, we'll highlight a couple of those clips coming up on the other side of the break. Uh, read some of the text. We've gotten a billion texts on the topic. Uh, that is coming up on the other side of the break. Buster only was our guest at the outset. Two things that I think we will be highlighting. Uh, one, uh, I think, would be for those who may be as anti-Cardinal as you can be at the moment, specifically anti-John Mazzei like Ali Marmol, and then the other one would perhaps be for those of you who are optimistic regarding the team. Everybody will be served next on Balloon Party. This is 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes. I think we should carry over our commercial break succession conversation. I'd be good. Trust me, I'm more than fine. No, but I told the people they will get Buster Only clips from the top of the show. And uh, T. Diddy requested that we are out at 57. Is that correct? I yep. want to make sure that we respect the program that follows us, BK and Ferrario. Uh, they have a guest at the top of their program, so let's get right to it. We'll just talk about succession privately in the hallway sure all right ladies and gentlemen buster only started the program with us here is what he had to say regarding the cardinals and the wilson Contreras. oh my goodness the last 72 hours in st louis sir wow shocker yeah uh, i can't I, I can't think of you know i've been uh, sort of racking my brain trying to think of a comparable situation in baseball history where you know a, a big acquisition uh you know where the team has a long-term investment in that particular player goes south so quickly uh and, and you essentially have it the team one month into a you know five-year 87 and a half million dollar deal punting and trying to figure out what's next and on one hand 
you know what, if they if they believe internally that uh, this is, you know, something they need to do in order to try to turn this team around and win, then you admire them for it. But there's also no question about it. I mean, it's a debacle. <laughs> you know, they're, 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 you can't get away from that. Uh, you know, otherwise they wouldn't be making the decision that they're making. That is uh, Buster only at the outset of the conversation, uh, calling it a debacle. Uh, and uh, And then at the end... I asked about the short-term future for the Cardinals in 2023, and uh, this probably surprised people who heard uh, the interview in which it was incredibly critical of the state of things for the Cardinals. This is what his thoughts were for the National League Central. They are still the team to beat in the Central, which might sound crazy given how poorly they generally have played. But here's the the simple fact is they've got more talent than anybody in the division. Uh, you know, in the end, there's an expectation among folks I talk with with other teams. You know, the Pirates are a great story. They've taken a big step forward, but we don't know if they are going to be able to withstand this, especially with O'Neill Cruz out. The, um, you know, the Brewers are an interesting team, and they've got some high-end talent, but the, the lingering question that other folks have is when we get to the trade deadline, will they manage their payroll like they did last year when they traded Josh Hader mm-hmm. despite being in first place? Because if you're going to get maximum value for someone like a Burns, a Woodruff, a Willie Adamas, the time to trade those guys is this July. So will they punt? The Reds are, are getting better, but they're not close to you know being a team that's relevant. The Cubs are better, but I don't think anybody looks at them as world beaters. So I still, even with the deficit that the Cardinals have, I still think they're going to wind up being the team to beat. And who knows? Maybe you know the way this is all played out, uh, we'll add a layer of accountability to all the players in there. Like, oh, my God. You know, the pitchers, as someone told me, if if the pitchers wanted Wilson Contreras to be their guy, he would be the catcher. Mm-hmm. And maybe the, some of the pitchers who struggle at this point are like, okay, well, I use that get-out-of-jail-free card, and, and maybe they start to perform better. Buster only you can hear the entire interview, the Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers podcast. Use the 101 ESPN app. Jackson, uh, we've been going nonstop since the start of the program. Walked in here right away. We had Buster only on and then uh, gave my opinions on what he had to say. And then we went right into Taylor Twelman, which you could podcast as well. Tuesdays with Taylor brought to you by Together Credit Union. What stood out to you from the conversation with Buster only? Just that the pitcher, it was. It seemed from what he said is that from people he's heard from is that the pitchers wanted Contreras, it would be Contreras behind the plate. And to me, that's just so shocking in a in a world now where pitchers have more control over their game than ever with the pitch com, and you know these are professional pitchers and they don't have faith in the guy who called a World Series team. I know he's had uh, some shaky experience uh, catching, but. To me, that's just so crazy, and now it's gonna, that could possibly hamstring them down the road because now you're putting Kisner in there, and that's a bat you don't necessarily want. It actually spurred the $87.5 million purchase of Wilson Contreras, so now you have him in the lineup, and you put Contreras at DH. Now it takes either Gorman or Donovan out of the lineup, who've been two of your most effective hitters. I just, I'd be, it's just so surprising to me, and then the front office embraces that with a pitching staff that has been very lackluster. And to think that that's solely, I'm not saying that that's what they're saying, but to think that's on the catcher is just bananas to me in a very crazy situation. And like you said, that you expected something uh, following the the weekend that was against Detroit. Didn't expect uh, 
the 87 and a half, the biggest free agent signing outside the organization to be switched to perma DH, which is a role that probably doesn't suit him at all. So with respect to that, to me, the biggest story from what only said, I mean, yeah, if the Cardinals, I, I, yeah, if you go, you got to put money down on who wins the Central. I don't know if I could put on the Cardinals, honestly, but if I'm getting six to one, I would. You see what I'm saying? Straight oh, up, yeah. one to one. Value I don't know if play. I would, but it's a value play. So with that said, and I still expect them to play better than they've played. I don't think that's a real cutting edge opinion because I really can't mathematically play much worse. But the thing that stands out to me is only spoke to a bunch of people in other organizations and number one they were talking about how big of a problem this is because it's not just a 2023 problem but then secondarily how people were surprised in baseball during the offseason that the cardinals went this direction now when i was critical of the Contreras signing my reasoning wasn't about knowing anything regarding his preparation as a catcher and how it was considered lackluster within the Cubs organization and amongst baseball people to be real straightforward with the audience i didn't know about that I didn't know about it. Uh, I don't know how many people did. Right. I know a lot of people are on Twitter now acting like they knew, <laughs> sure. but I don't know how many people really did. I didn't like it because I didn't think he was going to wind up being catcher for most of those five years. I thought he would wind up being catcher for most of 2023, however. Uh, I would have liked them to use those free agent dollars elsewhere. That was my reasoning. And so what has taken place now is much bigger than what I was thinking at the time. And yes, you can talk about Sean Murphy, and we were certainly, oh, I was, I don't recall where you were, but I know oh, I, yeah, was, I was, you were pro Sean Murphy. Sean, okay, Sean Murphy and Dansby Swanson. Those are my two guys. Yeah, you were big on the, I remember the Dansby Swanson. So you got a little Dansby Swansoning last night. Boy, yeah, yeah he's a member of my fantasy team. Oh, is so, that right? Yeah. Uh, so with regards to the move, uh, the fact that, the people around baseball were going, wow, I'm surprised the Cardinals doing it. And then the story he told about the Astros and how they were going to sign him. And then the team went to him, the baseball side, and said, you can't, yeah, you crazy. can't do that. How, that's the question I asked him. You can hear the answer at the Dobbs Tire and Auto Center's podcast. How'd the Cardinals miss it? They see him a lot. How'd the Cardinals miss it? That is an organizational issue. All right, BK and Ferrari are coming up next. For Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.